Hello, and welcome to the Dog Hack. A podcast series where we interview dog professionals. Today we're joined by Sarah from Life of Riley. Hi Sarah. Hi. Have you been on your dog walks today? We have. We uh, we went out early doors this morning. Um, we went for a bit of a breakfast and um, our usual tradition is to take the dog for a nice long W or walk. I don't think he's in hearing. He uh, oh, no, he's <laughs> behind me. His ears pricked up then. <laughs> You've um, got one of those dogs that you can't say walk in yeah, front of. Yeah, we have all the code words for it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are your code words? W? W, and we do the little walk-in sign with our fingers. and yeah. Um, <laughs> God. And yeah. when you say an early walk, we've had quite the variety of... Um, oh, well, what's, uh, what's it, it was early, but it wasn't ridiculously early. It was about half past seven we went out. Yeah, that's um, about my time. We've had people yeah, as early nice as... Yeah, it's a nice time of day. Four or five o'clock. No. And people as late as no. ten. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no. <laughs> no, half seven's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, and I like it to be light room. outside. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so speaking of your dog, do you want to tell us a little bit about? Yeah, I'll your tell current you about dog. Riley. Yeah, so um, Riley's our um, now eight and a half year old Patterdale Terrier. Um, we had him from when he was a teeny weeny puppy. Um, we originally planned on waiting um, to get our first our first dog together. Me and my husband uh, moved into our first home, and we said, "Let's be sensible. Let's wait a year." Um, well, that didn't work out that way. Within two weeks, we had Riley, <laughs> um, and he's just stolen our hearts. Bless him. Um, he's a he's a very much a terrier. Um, he has got a massive personality for such a small dog, and he is a bit of a diva, um, but we love him to bits. He sounds very much like a typical Patterdale, yes. I've, yes. I've met a few, and they tend to be quite... Uh, they they tend yeah. to have the diva tendencies. Absolutely. You know when Riley's not happy. Um, he can be the most loving, loyal, friendly dog, but he can also be really stubborn and very 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 moody to the point where if if we've done something for example um i don't know said the for example said the the w word and not actually taking him straight away he will sit with his back to us <laughs> facing the wall <laughs> and sigh very loudly yeah. <laughs> so yeah the huff yeah the huff yeah we well, get the huff a lot <laughs> we, we're, we've got an airedale terrier and um he's also quite stubborn and he yeah we, yes. we get the huff quite frequently yeah. although i funny aren't they i was told uh recently that if a dog sit, sits with its back to you mm-hmm. um it's actually them showing sort of the ultimate sign of trust Oh really? Yeah. Oh my, wow. Because my wife, my my dog will do that sometimes. He just come and sit, and he'll just turn his back on you. And and my wife thinks, how rude! <laughs> that dog's just turned his back on me. Uh, yeah. But apparently that it's not a sign of rudeness. It's a sign of trust. Oh well, I'll take it as a compliment so there you next go. time. Take it yeah. as a compliment. Yeah, that's nice. So Riley's eight and a half. Yeah. And what, you said that you and your husband were um, thinking of giving a dog. What made you move towards Patterdales? Um, well, it was me. Um, and I, well, essentially, I grew up with with a terrier as our family dog. So I wanted um, that sort of personality in our home. Um, and I sort of sold it to my husband and said, oh, they don't molt and, you know, well, it's, they don't molt as much. That soon became to be very untrue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he molts like n- no other dog I've ever I've ever known. Really? Um, yeah. He's got a really, really thick coat. Um, he's got a really fine undercoat and a really thick coat, um, top coat. And down his spine, he's got like really wiry hair. So we get we get the fluffy, we get the small fine hairs, and we get the really thick wiry ones as well um so uh yeah we get we get we get it all and then we've just had a well we adopted a, a siamese cat a cream um blonde siamese cat at the um 
at the end of last year, so you can imagine. I'm hoovering a lot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, going back to why we chose a Patterdale, it's just for their personality, really. And they were, and it, it sounds a bit um, sounds a bit shallow, and it, I don't mean it to be, but they're a very smart-looking little dog, and they, I just think that they've got great attitude. And, uh, yeah, my husband's always had collies, um, but we didn't feel that, because we both still worked then, although we got regular walks and lunchtime visits and things like that we thought a collie was just a step too far for our first dog um so yeah that's why we why we chose patterdale yeah the, the collies require a, a lot more stimulation yeah yeah and it just wouldn't have been fair whereas riley's albeit moody he's very low maintenance um he obviously gets his all his exercise that he needs but he He's uh, he's one for lions as well, which is nice on a weekend sometimes when we get the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. So what's he like to do, Riley? What's his favourite activities? Um, chasing rabbits, <laughs> 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 definitely. Um, and chewing sticks, even though we, we don't let him do that anymore. Um, but uh, he will if he's been given the opportunity. But, yes, we live in a really rural part of Shropshire, and um, we are surrounded by open countryside, so he is in his element because there's rabbits galore. Yes. Um, he doesn't catch them, though, so <laughs> it's fine. It's just a bit of harmless exercise. Yeah. So he's a, a typical terrier there. Basically, he loves hunting yeah. and stick chewing. You said that you don't let him chew the sticks anymore. No, no. Well, th- there's a lot of evidence out there that says that you, sh- you shouldn't do it anyway, um, but he not only chews them he swallows the bits as well Ooh. purposefully yes. <laughs> um and i've pulled a few splinters out of his gums and things like that so if it's the right kind of because um, you can tell some of them splinter and some of them don't if he just wants to have a gnaw on some um sticks that we don't think are, are going to cause him any harm then we allow him to but just yeah. not for prolonged periods yeah is he much of a chewer at home he's really good he's and people say Oh, I bet he was a nightmare as a puppy. He wasn't. He was an absolute dream of a puppy. Um, he only chewed one um, thing in the actual house that wasn't his, and that was um, a sofa cushion that he just took the disliking to one day. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. It was, didn't really make much sense at the time, but um, they obviously looked at him the wrong way, and he thought, no, you're having it, so... Uh, <laughs> Um, but he's no, he's never been a chewer for for things that he shouldn't be. Um, so yeah, we, he's 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 good in that respect. That's good. And have yeah. you ever thought about adding? So you've added a cat last year. Have you ever thought about adding more dogs to the pack? Um, we did. Um, we toyed with the idea, um, and after a bit of a trial run um, with another dog, we um, decided that it probably wasn't the best thing because. Although he's very friendly, sorry, my cat's currently chewing my microphone cable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although he's very friendly um, to other dogs, we've discovered that he doesn't really want to share a house with um, another dog. So, uh, which is fair enough. You know, we yeah, all graduate from university and whatnot and want to live by ourselves. Probably the same for dogs. Yeah, he's um, he's a bit possessive over his daddy. Um, so, not in a not in a bad way. He doesn't get aggressive or anything, but you can just tell he's not and sharing his dad so. and how is he with the cat because mine would be a nightmare with a cat well we're lucky um, Hedwig the cat um, he the cat grew up with three Patterdales which was just pure luck on our part but it also made the decision to get him a lot easier um, so Hedwig knew exactly sort of what he was coming into with characteristics for Patterdales which made half the battle um, easier hmm. The first few days were interesting. Um, we were very careful. Riley was on a lead whenever the cat was um, loose, and they were introduced very slowly. Um, but now, as much as Riley would never admit it, um, they do have cuddles with each other, and they often have play sessions. Um, although it's been delayed in the last couple of months because our cat actually had a nasty accident with a tractor. Um, two months ago and yeah unfortunately he came home and um, his front leg was missing Um, so the play has been on hold for a few months but they're just getting back to the point where they're um, they're being cheeky with each other again right yeah because he'll have been feeling very delicate I reckon 
Yeah, and it's so strange how animals know. Um, Riley just left him alone. I mean, they're amazing creatures, I know they are, but I never knew how empathetic a dog could be for another species, um, mm. you know, let alone another dog. Um, and, you know, it was clear that when Hedwig was ready to, to play and to interact with him, that then Riley recognised that. Um, but up until that point, he left him well alone and gave him lots of space um, and even like relinquished his spot on Daddy's lap quite a few times for him. So they are amazing. Um, they, have a, they have a nice bond now. It's, it's really nice to see. It's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because wasn't quite happy with another dog in the house, but another cat, yeah. no problem. Yeah, I think it's a completely different dynamic. Um, it also helps that Hedwig is nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's almost like, he's more like a dog than he is a cat. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, the thinking is for Riley behind that, but it just seems to work. So we're very, very lucky. Yeah. And yeah. when you were introducing them, did you keep them in separate rooms and then oh, gradually yes. let them into the same <laughs> Oh, room? yes. <laughs> yes, Hedwig was, um, yes, it kept well away from Riley until Riley realised that Hedwig was not food. Right. <laughs> because um, it, Riley's actually been attacked by a cat previously. He's a bit of a, he's a, bit of a soppy boy and um, he's... he's He's a bit softer than the average Patterdale, um, whereas I think if, if a cat had come up to uh, a normal Patterdale and had a go, then the cat would probably have come off worse. But Riley just sort of hunkered down and sort of took it until I was able to get the cat off the dog. Um, so that was somewhere where we, where we used to live, um, that that happened. Um, so you had so to intervene and get the cat off the I dog? I did! Oh, this cat, yeah, it was really mean. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And um, and even when I was chasing him away, he was the, yeah, he wasn't even scared of me. So it was yeah, yeah. aggressive cat. Very yeah, Bernie's so. been attacked by a cat. He's the set. He's the same. Um, oh. He he was he wouldn't. He I think in his mind, if it runs, it's fair game. I'm going to chase yeah. it. If it stops running. <laughs> then I have to evaluate the situation. Yeah, reassess. Because, yeah, <laughs> pa- perhaps I shouldn't be chasing it in the first place. So, any cats that tend to stand on the ground, he usually turns around and, and looks at me as if to say, "It's not running; it's broken." What do What's I do, Dad? On? Yeah. But there was one that was in a, a little hedge, and you just saw this uh, Muhammad Ali-style jab fly out of the <laughs> yeah. hedge towards Bernie's face, and he just. Caught him on his nose, and he was. Oh, oh dear! What, what's happening there? Sensitive there as well, aren't they? Yes, Isn't yeah. I think he's. He might even have a, a small scar on there still. Um, for, and that's from a few years ago. Oh. Mm. Mm, they never forget, though. They don't. No. They don't. Very good memories. <laughs> he found a ball the yeah. other week in, underneath a, a plant pot in a park, and he, he's gone back to. Even though he's had that ball. He He's goes and checks if, if there's another ball there every day <laughs> for about two weeks. Yeah, it's amazing uh, how quickly they get into routines as well, isn't it? It's like when mm. you give them treats and things like that. And yeah, Riley's got it sussed. He takes us to the to the treat station, I would say. Um, and he's got a real routine going on. So uh, yeah, they're not daft. They soon pick no. things up. Yes. And you said when you were a kid, you you had terriers, which is why you were looking at a, a patterdale. Yeah. Yeah. Well. When I was really, really young, um, we had um, a wirehead uh, Jack Russell called... Um, oh, God, what was he called? I must have been about two. He was really naughty. Oh, I knew his name. What's his name? Oh, that's really bad. No. I'll c- it'll come back to me. You say but you're only two. If you're only two, it's... I know, but you still talk about them as a, a family yeah. pet, don't you? Even after. Um, but uh, we got Jack the aptly named Jack Russell um, when I was about six, I must have been about six um, and he was ten months old when we got him and he was uh, living with um, a really posh lady um, in a big manor house uh, but it was like apartments split up this manor house and um, she was having to rehome him because 
he was chewing all of her really expensive antique furniture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't know how my mum and dad managed to find him because it was it, it, the way it happened, even as a young child, I remember thinking, well, this is a bit weird. <laughs> Must have been in the paper or something. I suppose you don't really look in the papers for things like that anymore. Um, and um, we rehomed him. And he, were, he was a naughty boy, but he was such a special boy. Um, he had so much personality and uh, he would disappear for days and days on end and back then it it didn't seem such a a big issue like obviously if your dog disappeared now you'd stick it all over facebook and you'd be like oh my god you know you've got every dog's been microchipped it's you know it's it's a it does seem like a a more intense experience if your dog goes missing these days but back then it was oh you know obviously we'll go out and look for him but we're quite confident he's going to be okay and he's going to be back well it was quite often the case that jack was a bit of a ladies man and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, if he if he caught the whiff of uh, a female um in the uh, in the air then he was off and then sometimes it was it was quite embarrassing because he used to apparently hound these these poor families with this obviously dog that was um female and uh, they used to eventually find out who he belonged to because you have to you had to do the dog warden thing back then and uh they used to bring him back but he didn't used to get in the car unless the lady was also in the car was with him <laughs> so um yeah it, it did my mum and dad poor you know they had some um uh well not arguments but quite heated um apologies to make to people um yeah a bit awkward <laughs> but then i i used to be walking to school and people used to say oh i've just seen your dog's just walked past me and he was tro- trotting into town i mean we we lived over a mile away from from town and he used to take himself off all over the place Blimey. And I used to be on my paper round, and I used to just see Jack trotting across the road in front of me. He was like a cat. <laughs> he was. He's insane. It's it's amazing how he managed to live to the ripe old age of fifteen, um, because um, yeah, he, all the adventures. D- yeah, yeah. So. We were out walking. Um, I don't know, a year or two years ago, in the south of Manchester. Uh, there's a like a towpath that runs alongside the River Mersey as it passes mm. through the south of Manchester. And it's a good walk. You can do sort of like two, three hours, woodland, field, um, river. Oh, it's nice. pretty much in the city centre. Um, they've got water parks either side. And one day we were walking there and uh, a Labrador, I think it was, um started following us and I thought owner will be round the corner you know sometimes the dog's walking a, a bit further ahead or a bit behind the owner and um, we walked about half an hour past no owner I was like okay I think this dog might be lost maybe I should have a look at its collar see if there's a number call the owner so it took us a while to persuade the dog to come over and got the, the number off the collar yeah. Um, and gave it gave it a call, and an, an elderly gentleman answered. And he said, "Oh yeah, we're just um, in the car. Um, we're just outside of Liverpool." I said, "All right." So I think I got your dog here. He said, "Yeah, he does that. Our house backs out onto one of the parks that is at the side of the towpath, uh, and he just takes himself off sometimes and goes for a little wander." He'll find his way back home. And I, I mean, until you've just said that story then, that was the yeah. first time I'd ever heard of anything like that. Yeah. I was like, he's I just going to take himself home. Like, I thought you were going to say he's come all the way from Liverpool when you said that they No, that would have been a better Liverpool. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time I tell that story, I may embellish it slightly yeah. and tell it that way. I think that would be a much better story. Uh, but no, he, he lived locally and he just goes for moochers and finds yeah. his way back when he can be bothered. Yeah, I mean, we had sort of the similar sort of situation with Riley, I suppose here as well. Because we're surrounded by fields, we just sort of... It's not that we 
encourage him to go out, but at night time, if he gets the scent of something, he will go through the hedgerows and try, you know, chasing things, because we've got weasels and all sorts around here. Oh, um, oh I know, they're nasty. Um, so hopefully he never actually finds one, but foxes and that kind of thing as well. Um, so he's quite often having a wander about, not too far, because we can always hear his, um, his collar clinking away. Um, but when we were looking for this house, we lived with my husband, well, my mother-in-law, um, for a brief period. And they backed onto the river, the River Severn. And um, there was a towpath down there, and it was all overgrown and shrubs and things like that. Um, and the towpath ran alongside the river. And Riley was often found down there. And people, towards the end of our, our period of stay living there, they just got used to seeing him trotting down this path. <laughs> um, and I even got his collar... Um, changed, you know, the little tags that you can get to say something, I can't remember what it said now to say something like, if I am close to home, and I put the address on um, don't worry don't worry, because <laughs> we used to get people that would drive, that, that would take him all the way back to the end of the walk which was probably a another two miles further along um, take him all the way to their car and then ring us, and we were like well, you know, he was literally like at 10 yards from the garden, so thank you very much, but <laughs> he no, would have been geez. fine. Um, but yes, obviously, under normal circumstances, you wouldn't want your dog to be wandering around, but it, there it was it was perfectly safe, other than someone obviously stealing him, which we'd, you know, hopefully would never happen, but it does happen to some poor people, I suppose. Mm. Yes. Mm. So, talk to us about life of Riley. How did... How did it come about? What do you guys do? Oh, well, um, so about, bear with me on this one, it will make sense in the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about two years ago, um, Riley was really poorly. Um, he's always had a, a sensitive tummy um, and, you know, quite often used to eat a lot of grass and we used to speak to the vet about it and put him on hypoallergenic food and that kind of thing. Um, and it didn't really get any better. When he started showing signs of being um, in pain, which is quite difficult to detect in a dog, I think it has to get quite bad for you to be able to realise that your dog, dog's got like stomach pain because they're quite good at covering up. And I think he'd probably been suffering for quite a while, which is horrible to think. Um, but when you don't know, you don't know. Um, so it got to the point where I was quite concerned because he was showing physical signs of, of being on a, like hunched over um, he he was still eating um, but he just looked genuinely uncomfortable and he used to let out a whine and this was all in the space of sort of 24 to 48 hours so it progressed quite quickly um, took him to the vet thinking that they were just going to say oh you know has he been to the toilet or you know he's caught a bug or something and they actually admitted him uh, which was terrifying at the time because they essentially were saying your dog's too poorly to go home with you we don't know what's wrong with him um, so they did lots and lots of tests um, blood tests and various other like I think they took some swabs and sent them off to the lab and nothing really came back apart from um, heightened potassium levels so that only pointed to one thing um, which was quite scary um which was addison's disease which i must admit if i'm honest i knew an awful lot about it at the time but now luckily he's not got addison's disease so i can't remember exactly um what it's about but it was i knew that it was a, a not very nice thing for him to be um suffering from and there wasn't there didn't seem to be a cure for it it was just ongoing treatment so they delved further into that and realised no, it, luckily it's not Addison's disease and the vet sort of said right, let's try one more thing <clears throat> before we you know, really start getting worried um, and they did some allergy tests, food allergy tests um, turns out he is allergic to beef, pork rabbit um, various things actually quite a few um, vegetables as well um, but mainly it was the beef, pork and rabbit showed on the high intolerance scale. So, um, I'll get to the life of Riley bit in a minute, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we changed his diet um, and we saw some improvement. And obviously, then your next look at the treats and what are in those. 
and we soon realised that it was really quite difficult to find out exactly what are in the treats um ignoring all the chemical horrible words that you can't say in some of them not all of them um a lot of them group um the meats into categories such as meat derivatives or the vegetables into vegetable derivatives or um, meals um so it becomes really difficult to then be able to choose the type of treat that obviously you'd, it would be safe for your dog if they've got allergies so I started making um, him them and they were a massive hit and then you know people start saying oh what are they on the on the side and you know I started giving out some to other dogs and they were a massive hit and then people were like oh why do you make them and I started sort of talking to people about what was in treats and, and that kind of thing and realised that actually unless you've had a problem with their diet and that that kind of thing you're probably not likely to look at what mm. is in the treats until it becomes an issue so i find that people were, were then obviously as we as time's moving on people are looking at their own diets and um how they can become more healthy and you know and then i've noticed there's a lot more people that are looking at their dogs diets now and their raw feeding and that kind of thing um so it's there is a need for people to have these treats that don't have all these nasty ingredients in and do list the ingredients ingredient by ingredient rather than in categories so life of Riley just sort of grew from there really the name just came to me instantly it wasn't something that i had to think about i didn't have any doubts about it i just knew that it was going to be called life of riley um so that was nice um and it sort of epitomizes what we we're about really because to give the best the do- your dog the best life possible really so that's what we're all about oh, um, it's a brilliant um bit of marketing because obviously you, the dog's called riley life yeah, riley yeah it all fits it, works, it all it? just clicks <laughs> together which is which yeah. is great yeah but bernie's the same he's allergic to all those things that you listed and, and really? more yeah it's becoming really common now it's just people aren't aware of it mm. so Oh, well, yeah. we were aware of it. He was very, very ill for the first 18 months until we figured out what he could eat, but it was oh. a process. We weren't offered any tests that would say this is what he is oh, allergic to. Makes it a lot harder, doesn't it? Yeah, it was trial and error. Yeah. And so he eats fish. Yeah. Fish and rice, yeah. and this is it. That's all he gets, well, including Riley, his treats. Yeah, funny you should say that. Actually, I remember now, fish mix, which they don't tell you... It individually which fish are bad for them um, but he is certainly allergic to some sort of fish in that in that category um, ah. so yeah yeah and was but that no, through no. the vet was it the the test yeah we've got a, we've got a fantastic vet in shrewsbury um so yeah they they've they've had him since he was a pup it's always been the same vet so they they knew they knew there was something wrong with him because obviously they used to they used to dealing with him so yeah I had to keep on seeing him because he was he was being ill. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, I suppose it would have yeah it would have been a long process if you were having to cut things out individually because you don't always know what they're eating when you're not looking either, do you? So that that was the biggest and what thing. And are feeding them. Yeah. Yeah, it had a massive impact on our bond initially because if we went to the he's very he's an Airedale so especially up to the age of two they need loads of exercise. Yeah. Best exercise is off lead exercise, but every time we let him off lead, because he wasn't he getting the nutrients something. from his his normal meal, he would be. I mean, horse manure was like the ultimate. If he found that, oh, that really? was all getting it. Um, but even if we were in a park here in town, if somebody had, you know, left a cart and a last night's curry in the yeah. in the bush or something he'd be all over that so you just never knew whether he was being ill because the new food was still making him ill yeah or because he'd got into stuff he shouldn't have been getting into and that obviously led to a lot of frustration on my part so then I was getting annoyed at him it wasn't his fault no he was not understanding what was going on what's the big deal here um and we was yeah we struggled for a while but once we found the um the fish, the complete fish meals, and then with the treats, um, you know, like the dried sprats or the yeah, sea jerky yeah. and the, the cubes and stuff, he he's absolutely fine with all of that oh, stuff. Oh, good. 
Oh, we did him. we did try and give him some like one of these tinned wet food things of beef and broccoli about about two years ago as like a birthday or a Christmas dinner or something. I can't remember what it was. And his ear just swole right up. Oh really? Oh my goodness. And uh, it cost us about a hundred quid in steroids oh, so bring the swelling reaction. down. Oh wow. yeah, you get all sorts. With the allergies, you can get all sorts. It's the itching oh, right. and the swelling and the... Yeah, I knew about the skin. I didn't realise that, you know, obviously swelling though. I've never come across that. Yeah, and that's yeah. a double whammy in the ear because if it swells and there's any dirt in there, it can get infected. Yeah. So then you need the steroids to bring the swelling down, antibiotics to get rid of the infection, um, and the cleanser to clean the ear out from all the gunk that's got in there yeah so nightmare all around yeah. humans i suppose swell up sometimes from um from allergies don't they so yeah well look no, look at yeah. nut allergies yeah it's, it's yeah. exactly the same thing yeah mm. so at the time that riley um was not feeling so great and you discovered these allergies you you had a, a job doing something fairly regular or you were working with dogs anyway um well no i um i worked in finance <laughs> um i still do to a point um so it's uh, it's a bit of a change for me to go from finance to uh, to doing life of riley but i love it um and um it's it's really rewarding um i was always quite a keen baker and, and cook um, and now my husband moans that I don't do any of that anymore <laughs> um, because I prefer cooking and baking for dogs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's, uh, he, he gets the occasional cake and um, brownies and things every now and again. But it's um, no, I'm, al- I'm always coming up with new ideas for, for, the, for the doggy um, uh, customers because uh, yeah they appreciate it more than humans <laughs> well the, the, but do they appreciate it more than your own husband that's the question uh well i'm sure he'll survive <laughs> he'll uh, he can always go down the <laughs> yeah. supermarket the dogs don't get that choice do they he can exactly exactly so that's that is a, a big change of pace i would imagine are you are you running the business alongside a full-time job have you gone part-time how how sort of successful has it become? Um, yeah, I am. I'm juggling the two at the moment, um, so it can be um, challenging. Uh, but I've just had because we're also renovating our home. Um, we um, it's a bit behind schedule because we never planned on doing Life of Riley, and we bought this sandstone cottage in the middle of Shropshire, um, and it just happened to have a beautiful uh, outbuilding. Uh, that was just ripe for turning into a bakery in the garden. <laughs> uh, my husband had it, uh, had his eye on it, has his uh, man cave. Um, <laughs> but I had other ideas, apparently. Um, so the first five months was converting that into a professional um, commercial bakery. Um, she's small, but she's mighty. Um, and... Um, so it's it's been a, a bit of a juggling act um, between you know obviously work and and doing that, but I've got the balance right now, and uh, we've taken on um, someone part time, um, another Sarah, um, and she's absolutely fantastic. She is all about um, life of Riley and what we stand for. Um, she is the biggest support to us. Um, she was actually the one that found the cat when he came back without a leg, and she was back and forwards with me to the vets um she's been my rock uh since she started and she hasn't been with us long so it's it's going really well so yeah with with her it's it's working out really well so that's great you've, you've got somebody coming in and the the yeah. kitchen the the, the bakery mm-hmm. that you've got some of our previous guests have mentioned that not all the companies that set up um the the treat businesses have all the requisite health and safety stuff but i was looking at your website and it looks like you guys have all that in place yeah you've got to i mean i must admit annoying is the wrong word but there's so many um there's so much legislation and um regulations around making things for dogs more so than humans it seems like um 
And then when there's people out there that haven't got those regulations, it's just a bit scary because you just don't know. And your dog can't, your dog can't say, oh, you know, that, that didn't make me feel so great. Or, mm. you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure most of them, if hopefully all of them, um, are operating safely. Um, but there's a reason why these regulations are in place is to make sure that they are. Um, so, How yeah. difficult did you find... Having tried to create a podcast and a blog and stuff, I've found some of the things that I've come across very alien or or difficult. Yeah. Or, you know, I've had to self-educate. How was that with setting up the bakery in line with any regulations? Hard, <laughs> very very <laughs> difficult, because there's not many um, there's not many registered people like myself. Um, there's not much guidance or help out there so you are feeling them in the dark on your own luckily um, I have an absolutely fantastic um, environmental health officer um, that works at the council and she's been so supportive and she's given me so much information and guidance um, so she's been invaluable to help me through through the process um, it, it's just yeah you can't put a price on uh, obviously, she doesn't cost me anything, but, you know, she's just um, really helpful. She knows her stuff, and it just makes life so much easier. Um, but, you know, all our treats have to be lab tested uh, for their nutritional constituents. Um, you have to make sure that um, all of that is uh, regulated and, and monitored, and, you know, you're sticking to those recipes and, and all that, that kind of thing. And every time you come up with a new idea, you've got to get that lab tested, and you've got to make sure that we're grain free apart from one product um due to customer request our, our oat cookies um but apart from that everything's grain free so you've got to, every new d- recipe that you develop you've got to make sure that it's nutritional that it's natural um that it's um grain free um and that you know you're not putting things in there that you shouldn't be so we keep all our ingredients really low um, we hand make everything so we can even our own homemade peanut butter um, because you've probably heard about all the well, xylitol or something yeah. that's in the yeah, and quite often they put um, salt and sugar in them as well, which dogs don't need. Um, so they, you know, it it's just the xylitol is toxic, as with obviously um, theobromine, which is in chocolate and caffeine and obviously garlic and you know there's lots of toxic things, but that. The, um, xylitol is one of the biggies um, within hours you can have organ failure um, and it, it's, it's really nasty um, so yeah that's why we make our own our own peanut butter and everything that we source is we try to do organic as much as possible as well um, within reason um, and yeah it's it's hard it, it is difficult setting up a um, a pet feed business but it, as I said before it's very rewarding so it's worth it yeah I assume you get a lot of you only grow the more positive feedback you get from yeah, the dogs and the owners it's lovely it makes my day every time it's it's really really nice when I get the feedback because um, I deal a lot with trade as well um, I'm sending off big orders to, to companies so I don't get to see all of those customers so then when they're tagging me um, and emailing me and reordering and, and that kind of thing or asking when I'm going to be restocked in a, in a certain shop and that kind of thing it's really nice because uh, it is a personal thing when you make so- you hand make something and you send it out and you just hope that it, um, it goes down well and they are they're going down really well and they seem to be coming back for more and more so uh, yeah and it's it really looks, nice I was looking on your website before and it's um it looks like it started out as a as a treat business, but I saw something to do with cakes and and poor oh, bombs yes. and <laughs> um so we started just doing doing the treats and then we were getting some requests for birthday cakes and I was like, Oh, never thought of that that before. Um so we had a dabble. As with everything, it takes us a while to develop um, these recipes to get it perfect. Um and then we launched the birthday cakes and, and they've been really really well received as well they are peanut butter flavoured um, and we have a carob which is a dog safe alternative to um, chocolate um, frosting um, and then you can have it personalised with your dog's name on um, as well and their age and that kind of thing so yeah they've got they've been a real hit um, and with the poor balms 
um, yet again we didn't really think about about doing those but then we got asked to, to develop something for dry um, potentially itchy pores and dry patches of skin and noses um, and it's we found this incredible recipe and we adapted it to our our needs and uh, the feedback has been unbelievable so I mean even my my sister and my nephew um, use it on a daily basis my nephew's got um, patches of eczema and it's it's cleared them up a treat um, so yeah it's really nice when the humans use my products too <laughs> <laughs> and are there plans are there any other plans to ex- expand the products that you work with in the in the pipeline or are you set now with the treats cakes and balms for the time being um, for the time being we um, are all set um, with those with those for Christmas obviously we've got some festive um, goodies um, so we've got our new dog dog vent calendar um, obviously a doggy advent calendar um, or not obviously um, and that's going to be with us in the next couple of weeks and we've never done one of those before um, so we're really excited about that and we've got our merry Woofmas boxes which is just like a selection of, of treats so we're always sort of developing the seasonal products um, we like to keep our um, bagged staple in, um, treats you know there because I think if we pulled um, any of the uh, flavours we'd have some angry people because right. <laughs> we have people come back and back and back for, for certain treats because obviously all dogs are different and they all like different things so we've got some dogs with some clear favourites um, Riley's is our coconut macaroons um, which he goes crazy for um, but we're also looking in the future to, in the near future, to branch into rabbit treats. Um, because probably, yeah, so there's not enough natural um, rabbit treats out there, so we're getting requests for those. Um, but at the moment, we're we're focusing on the doggies. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what we're all about on the podcast. Yeah, the, yes. the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one thing I, I was wondering that you were, as you were talking through there about the cakes when you were saying you, you have to test the different recipes mm. how much of a role does Riley himself play in the oh, testing? He's the chief eating officer the CEO <laughs> <laughs> um, he, as you can imagine um, I do have to monitor his intake because some days especially when I'm developing new recipes I can lose track on exactly how much I've given him so I'm like right okay I need to start writing this down um, but no, on a serious note, he um, he has to try and approve of all the of all the um, the treats. Um, as I said, some he loves more than others, like the macaroons. Um, and uh, we've been recently we've been trying to develop um, <coughs> a shelf-ready birthday cake. Um, so obviously, still no uh, preservatives or anything like that in them. But I've. Essentially, put out twelve different recipes um, in front of him, and then it's been sat there with a notepad, writing down which ones he keeps going back to, which ones he obviously do- is not interested in. So yeah, it's quite thorough. <laughs> I do go through quite a big, uh, vigorous process about you know which ones I think uh, are the ones to take forward, and then they go for further sampling by our other tasting officers. Um, so. Uh, yeah, he does play a big part in uh, in the development. So he sounds like a very professional, hard-working he employee. He takes his job very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, by the way, Chief Eating Officer. That, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. He's the boss, Riley is. <laughs> he is. Yeah. And with the with the stuff that you sell, are you purely an online business? Do you have a store? Is it? Does it? Um, are you sold in any other shops? Um, we are online um, only at the moment. Um, we are stocked in um, a, f- a few places now, dog groomers, um, ethical food shops, um, doggy daycares, pet shops, um, a couple of coffee shops that stock our um, biscuits. Um, we're in a, the best donut shop in in my, in my opinion, I'm not <laughs> offending anyone, um, that I've ever tried. Planet Donut in Shrewsbury, they stock our doggy donuts. Um, they're our exclusive supplier for our, um, in Shrewsbury for those. Um, and they make their best human donuts as well. So, um, yeah, we're in a, a real mix of different places. Um, and we've just done recently done a trade 
show um, and the orders are, are coming in. So I need to get a map really and, and pinpoint whereabouts in the country we are because it would uh, it'd probably be quite interesting to see where they all are, to be fair. Yeah, to see how, how far the business yeah. has reached. Yeah, I know that we're as far up um, in the north as Scotland. Um, so I think um, we're down in Norfolk as well. Um, but my geography isn't the best, so I'd have to put it, pin it on a map to really understand. <laughs> Visualise it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, we're, we're rapidly running out of time. and One thing that we always ask um, people who come on the podcast is if you were Prime Minister, what one dog-related thing would you make mandatory? Oh, mm. um, so I would allow dogs on all beaches, uh, which is a slightly controversial. I know some people very will controversial. Dis- yeah. yes. some people will disagree with me. Um, obviously, the condition is that the owner must clean up after the dog. Um, you know, obviously that is wholly important, and I always clean up after my dog. And I do. It does. It does get quite annoying when people get banned from walking places because other owners aren't quite as responsible mm. um, but I tend to find some humans leave behind more waste than dogs do on beaches anyway um, I know obviously it's a different kind of waste but it's still um, harmful to the environment um, and yeah so no offence humans but some of you are messy on beaches <laughs> and you leave, a, you leave a lot of stuff behind um, so that would be my my thing that I would make mandatory. So Sorry if every I'm beach anyone. must allow dogs. <laughs> yeah, I like obviously it. if it's a private beach, then not you know every public beach should. Allow I don't dogs. think they do. They have pri- pri- I don't think they have private beaches anymore. Do they? Mm, Wasn't there some act sure. passed about ten years oh. ago that made all beaches public land? It was like the right of. Um, what's the thing where they went up into the Peak District and said? You know, they protested and it gave everybody the right of access, I think it's called. Oh, I don't know. Countryside. You're more cultured than me. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, I'm, maybe I've got it wrong. No, I'm um, sure you've... No, I'm but sure yeah, OK. So, and, and to be honest, I can't think of any beaches around us where the dog's not allowed. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah we've, yeah, we've definitely been to some beaches and my husband's had to either stay with the, stay with the dog or I've had to stay with the dog. And, yeah, because... Travel all that way, and then you can't go and go and oh, see. Oh no! You only realised once you got there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We've been on holiday somewhere, and it's yeah because we we like to take Riley everywhere with us. I mean, he's been to Germany with us, um, touring around in our in our motel for three weeks, and it, it, you know he comes on all of our our, our camper trips. Um, so wherever possible, we take him with us. So we like to be able to take him on the beach as well. So does he, he have know, a he does pa- get into fights with the waves. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to we have to pull him out because I think he sees them as a as a, a plaything and yeah. So <laughs> does Riley have a pet passport then for travelling around? He does. Around? Yeah. Oh, lucky Riley. He does. Yeah. Oh yeah, Riley's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we want. I've wanted to do that for a while and maybe go to somewhere like France or. Oh yeah, they're really geared up for it. So it's. Yeah, very dog friendly on the continent. Not that Britain isn't, but yeah, it's 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 great over there. Obviously, the only thing that well, the main thing you've got to worry about is the heat. Um, but you know, other than that, we absolutely loved it. Oh, we went okay. over to Germany when they had like the most um, tropical weather. Even the locals were going. It's not normally like this. It was <laughs> so hot. So most of our days, although it was really enjoyable, we we were looking for shady shady spots and we were looking for streams and lakes and things to cool down in so um, yeah but obviously I love that anyway so he was happy on a similar vein um, your Prime Minister still there's one thing that you need to outlaw oh this is easy for me and I hope it's not too dark puppy farms I absolutely stand against everything that they they're trying to achieve um yeah, if I could, if I could wipe them out tomorrow, I would. And I know there are, you know, they're they're putting in steps and legislations in to try and and to stop them. But obviously, if I was prime minister, then I would focus more of my efforts on that. I know that it's not always realistic, but um, yes, I would. I would definitely get rid of puppy farms. 
Puppy farms is a, is a very common one so far. Yes, I've I've, right, I've yet good. to meet a puppy farm advocate. Well, well, no, obviously not. But you know, I think some people. Well, I think the awareness is getting better. Um, but if you don't know what you don't know, do you? And some people turn up, and and I completely understand why people do it, not knowingly. But if I turned up to somewhere. Um, not knowing it was a puppy farm and there was this poor little puppy in this really sorry state and it was either take him home or leave him in that horrible condition you know I I don't know I have an idea of what I would do but that wouldn't be the right thing so I completely understand why people do how it happens but see my question in in that scenario is why have they gone to the puppy farm to see how bad it is in the first place well I don't think I think these places are quite clever Right. Um, I I think that they they also they I know that well we know someone that's been to one and they did they did walk away luckily, um, but they lie to you on the phone sometimes. Well, from, from what I've heard, and they say that both parents can be seen and that, you know it's family and ah okay. And, and then you thing. get there, so and then you when in. you get there, the guilt comes in. Right. Yeah. They're not daft, I don't think. No. So, um, yeah, and I think that it is easy to be caught out, so it's just knowing how you're going to react if you do fa- find yourself faced in that situation. Mm. Good, yeah. okay. So, um, we're at the end of the podcast. If anybody wanted to find out more about Life of Riley, um, about the business, or try and reach out to you, what's your social media handles and, and how do they get a hold yeah. of you? Um, so the best place to probably um, see all of our, our stuff showcased is our Instagram, um, which is um, Life of Riley Bakery. Um, we're also on Facebook, um, and that is also um, on there is Life of Riley Bakery. Um, we don't use Twitter so much, so please don't message me on there because I probably won't see it. <laughs> it's something that I keep meaning to get around to uh, to investing some time into looking into it but at the moment we're just on instagram and facebook um and then if you did want to email me um feel free to email me at sarah s-a-l-a-h at lifeofrileyuk.com that's it awesome yeah. okay well thank you very much for joining us sarah thank you and we'll speak to you soon brilliant bye bye